My name is Maggie Bell, and I'm an assistant curator at the Norton Simon Museum. My current exhibition, The Expressive Body, Memory, Devotion, Desire, 1400-1750, explores the physical and emotional impact of representations of the human body and the historical role of the five senses in experiencing works of art. This series of conversations with scholars in the fields of art education, literature, and anthropology bring these themes into the present by addressing the role of the body and the senses in engaging with art today. Dr. Veronica Alvarez is the Wallace Annenberg Director of CalArts Community Arts Partnership, an award-winning co-curricular program with CalArts that offers free after-school and school-based arts education. As a historian, educator, and advocate, Veronica has extensive museum experience, having worked in leadership positions in major Los Angeles institutions, including the Los Angeles County Museum of Art and the Getty Museum. Among her many public-facing roles, Veronica serves on the Policy Council for the California Alliance for Arts Education. Her expertise as an arts education consultant is sought internationally. Veronica, I've so admired your scholarly yet very human approach to arts education research and practice. I'm delighted to speak with you today about the role of the body in understanding works of art and the challenges and profound successes that can come from considering both represented bodies and the physical experiences of learners in a museum setting. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I want to start with a question that's maybe very basic or, or maybe not basic at all, which is what draws you to museums? Um, I think so many things draw me to museums. And I think it depends on, we have multiple identities, right? Um, so myself as a historian, I think the works of art um, are so amazing to be in front of. So we could learn so much at, about the person that made it, the culture that it was produced from, or an idea that the artist wanted to communicate. As a parent, you know, when I take my son to the museum, I want to see it as a learning opportunity and I want him to enjoy the visit and engage with the works of art differently than I think if I was in my historian mode. Um, and as a friend, when I take friends to museums, I love to talk about the works of art that draw me or and then also listen to what is interesting to them. And then as an educator, I love to share um, and, and engage with our different audiences and talk about how the works of art have changed or in how they're currently experiencing these amazing objects. That's, that's such an excellent point in terms of who we become as art appreciators or educators. There's so many factors that go into our relationship with works of art. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your work in engaging first-time visitors and, and how you've been doing that. What is important to you about someone visiting a museum, maybe someone who's never visited before? 
Right. Um, yeah, because like I said, we have different identities. Sometimes I go to museums as I was able to go see your amazing exhibition at the Norton Simon. And I love the Norton Simon. It's one of my favorite museums in LA. So, you know, as a visitor and then as an educator. Um, and so I think as an educator, I didn't grow up going to museums. It was a very unique experience. I didn't know we could, I was allowed to go into museums. So as you mentioned, first time visitors were very much at the forefront of my mind often. And then as an educator, I very much believe in like situated learning theory, which means that the environment a learner is impacts their learning. And so museums can be intimidating, like for first time visitors, or it, they could be a lot of fun. And so I like to break down those barriers because I was formerly a classroom teacher and in terms of learning, there was a lot of rules, a lot of mandates that were enforced by the principal, by the state. But in a museum, you could break down those barriers. And I found that being with objects, you can use all your senses to learn. And for me growing up, um, I was an immigrant, I'm, English wasn't my first language. And so all of these unknown rules about going to museums, you know, you had to be quiet, you're not allowed to touch, obviously. Um, and my very first trip to museum, I remember I went with my school and the teacher's like, you have to dress formally, you have to wear tights. And it was my first time ever buying, my, like coming running home and telling my mom, like, they want us to wear tights to, to this field trip. And so, like I said, there was like these rules that were kind of communicated, kind of not. And you're just supposed to know that you're supposed to, like I said, be quiet in a museum or not touch, don't run. And then when you go, that's often the first thing you hear, you're hearing these reinforces rules like don't, don't, don't. And so that could be off-putting and intimidating. That's so interesting about the implicit rules of walking into a museum. What can educators do to make a museum a more welcoming place? One is to, instead of the don't, 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 encourage them and talk about the possibilities that are available there. I was a classroom teacher and when I went to be an educator in museums, I was like, oh, you don't have to grade or have parent-teacher conferences. This is awesome. You could still teach and engage and listen and have discussions with works of art without all of these other barriers in mind. And then being specifically in front of a work of art, you know, is very different than when you see it in a book or in an image. Um, you could walk around a sculpture. You could like without getting too close, but look closely. I was just in your museum and then the Van Gogh and the mulberry tree and like seeing how thick the paint is applied. Like you can't get that just from an image. So there's something really powerful that I think physically happens to us when we're in front of a work of art. I totally agree. <laughs> so I want to talk about representations of the body and approaches to teaching images of the body. I know you've been thinking through especially representations of women's bodies, similar to the works of art that I'm talking about in, in expressive body. So I, I would be curious to know your thoughts on how images of the nude or how images of women have been presented in, in more traditional Western works of art, and what are some challenges in teaching this material? 
Um, I recall working at the Getty Villa. The Getty Villa only has ancient Greek, Roman, and a little bit of Etruscan art. And a lot of it was the nude body because the Greeks and the Romans saw that as an ideal, um, um, an, ideal an ideal form. And I recall getting um, requests from visitors or teachers like, we're going to take our kids, but please make sure like they don't get, see any nudity. And I'm like, that's going to be a kind of impossible unless you want to put blinders on, you know. Um, so depending on the age of the audience, um, we were very careful. But we talked about that actually there is no shame in nudity. But then also <laughs> there's the idea of how women have been depicted. Um, there's a painting that I used to teach often with at the Getty Center. It was... Um, Venus and Adonis and by the artist Titian and she the painting is like her backside and her holding on to Adonis as he's gonna go leave to hunt and she's a goddess so she knows that ultimately he's gonna die in that hunt so she's like really holding him down so you don't really see just the side of her profile or her face but most of her backside and the story that was often told or heard was that that was what they wanted because um, Philip II who was a huge patron of Titian, didn't have an image of the backside of a woman. So that is why Titian did, decided on that kind of composition. Oh, they, they had a frontal nude of a woman, but hey, we want the backside as well. And it's always like with this idea of the male gaze on women. That's such an interesting point about the artistic motivations for depicting mm nude women and and this gets to other conversations we've had about representations of, of sexual violence and I know this is something that you've thought a lot about uh, and and I think of the of representations of the abduction of the Sabine sometimes known as the the rape of the Sabine women which in the expressive body exhibition we have a, a bronze by Giambologna that is just this sort of beautiful representation of a very violent episode yes. with the justification at the time that it was such a great artistic challenge to represent something like this. So how how do you reconcile this supposed artistic endeavor to represent these scenes with the, the reality that they're, that they're very violent? I think... Um that that has shifted a lot in terms of um, my career in museum education. As you mentioned, we've we've talked about the abduction of Europa or the abduction of the saving women. And now there's like more forceful language to depict about like the rape of Europa. Um, and again, I like because I work with visitors of all ages, I try to be age appropriate. But with adult audience, I feel that museums can and should be much more transparent about what these objects are actually depicting, about who's commissioning these works, about who, how they would have seen been seen in the historical context. Because as you know, a lot of these objects were not meant to be put in a museum. A lot of them were in, in people's homes, in their cabinet of curiosities, or in the place where only men would be able to gaze at them, or in churches, or in other different formats. And then now that they're in a museum setting with general visitors, what is the museum's responsibility and in, in how 
we are talking about this, how we're just choosing to display them, how we're choosing to talk about them in the labels, in the catalogs, in the exhibitions, because all of that is adding to the art historical knowledge. I want to think a little bit about, as we sort of started this conversation, what viewers bring to an experience of a work of art, uh, be it historical knowledge or perhaps personal experiences, even trauma. And, and as an educator, how, how can we reconcile this? How can we deal with these very sensitive, potentially very sensitive encounters that people can have? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I, I mean, I think like as an educator, I believe in constructivism, which is that people learn based on their personal knowledge and experience. And everybody has a lived experience that they bring into any encounter. And I actually always approach engaging with audiences to see, to listen by starting by listening to what they, what is interesting to them. So sometimes it could be the biography of the artist or sometimes it could be about the materiality of the object. But if we are gonna discuss these important issues, they could it would be important to have some kind of trigger warning um with and and kind of being upfront again being transparent like in this tour or in this experience we're going to be looking at objects that depict violence or that depict the the female figure in problematic ways and we're going to discuss those or talk about that. So that way, you know, because, and that's what I love, you know, I said change from classroom to the museum experience. It's usually a self-directed and people self-select to do this. Um, and they're not obligated to be there. That's such a nice, a nice point because it, it goes back to what you said about the imposition of the museum as this singular authority and the way that through education, it's possible to, to challenge that in really meaningful ways. I wanted to, to ask you about a response to a work of art, maybe a bodily physical response to a work of art that you've had that is, has illuminated its meaning for you in a particular way. Um, I was thinking about this question a lot because, like I said, it's been so um, different in different contexts. Um, and the one that really stood out to me, I think, was when I was at Mass Mocha and I went to an exhibition by Nate Cave. He's a contemporary artist and he's really known for his sound suits. So there's these, um, he uses recycled objects to create these suits that people could put on and sometimes walk around in and they make all of these amazing sounds. Um, they're very sensory. You could hear them, you could see them, you could see the light glinting off of them as they walk around. But um, at Mass Mocha, um, the exhibition was called Until and it was almost like walking into the sound suit because it was just this, it's a huge space, it's like a football field. I looked it up. It says he used 16,000 wind spinners, millions of plastic beads, thousands of ceramic birds, fruits, gilded pigs, 10 miles of crystals, 
24 chandeliers. So it's just like this massive and it's so immersive. You're um, walking in, you're seeing, you're, you're hearing the chandeliers, um, like the crystals um, clinking against each other. But then as you walk through, you come abruptly into um, this images of guns and bullets and targets. And the exhibition was called Until, and it's a play on the phrase of innocent until proven guilty. But like he kind of tries to subvert that and says guilty until proven innocent because he is talking about um, black violence and uh, or violence against black bodies and systemic racism in this culture. And so it was a jarring experience because like I said, you're kind of in the beauty of and hearing and seeing all of these beautiful objects, but then you start looking at details and he uses items that were inherently racist and kind of subverts that. Well, it's such a brilliant example because it seems that without the bodily experience, without the multi-sensory experience, the core meaning of, of that installation would, would be lost. I wanted to say one thing that I loved about your exhibition um, was um, the image of Christ that you included. Because um, when we talk about, when we talk about, like I said, constructivism, like people use their lived experiences and engage with the works of art differently. Each individual person engages differently because of their lived experiences. So when I saw your head of Christ, it brought me back to my childhood because, um, uh, you know, I, I was born in Mexico and, you know, in Catholic culture, um, images, we talked about their images that are supposed to be in churches. They are, um, they're very important for us in so many different ways because we are physically supposed to respond to Christ's suffering. Um, and so, as I mentioned, we you brought me back to my childhood because we made, we had to make a pilgrimage. It's, um, it's called La Virgen de San Juan de los Lagos, um, near the state where I was born. And supposedly she had performed a miracle. The statue had performed a miracle. She had brought this young girl to life. So as part of our Catholic upbringing, we're supposed to go and venerate this statue. And just being in its presence is supposed to be like, an amazing experience. But I remember as a young girl, like women that were to show our devotion or to show up and it was all women. And I didn't even think of it then, but they were like crawling basically on their knees as they were saying their rosary, um, as they're approaching the statue. And I remember asking my mom, like why, you know, some of them have bloody knees <laughs> as they were going to this statue. So this idea of the physical body and what it does when they're looking at a work of art. And that statue is still in this church, but I was, I couldn't help but thinking and preparing for this conversation, like what if we remove that statue and put it in a museum? Um, and that's kind of, like I said, like an interesting experience I had with seeing your Christ, because again, it's like the suffering of Christ is, you're supposed to feel his suffering so that you could show your devotion, so that you could um, prove how devout you are. It was an interesting experience that brought my childhood. And again, that's why it's so amazing to go to museums 
because it brought these memories that I hadn't had because I'm no longer a practicing Catholic. But I was like, oh, yeah, like the importance of what objects mean to a culture, to a society um, is still so relevant today. I'm I'm so glad you brought up that part of the exhibition. And, and I thought a lot about this where it's really such a sterile environment for most of these objects because they they were specifically Catholic objects right. and would have been seen in these really rich multi-sensory environments. And that's all kind of lost in a museum. And, you know, I don't have a good answer for that as a curator <laughs> yet in terms of how to really create the richness of that original experience. You know, the Getty has a Saint Ines de la Jara. It's a, a statue from Spain. And I did, and then as an educator, I did try to create that as much as I could. Like you said, it's like impossible unless we're putting the statues back in a church. But I was like, oh, imagine. And again, that's what we, when we could say like, um, museums are different learning environments, like say than a classroom space. But I could say like, imagine this statue, because it was gilded. A lot of these statues are gilded. They would have very realistic um, um, materials, you know, glass eyes. So I say, imagine this would have been surrounded by candles, because it was done in the 1600s. So we didn't have electricity. So the candles would have been glinting from his robes and the gilding would have reflected. And like I, like I said, as a Catholic person growing up, I would have been like, oh, you know, these statues almost coming alive with these glass eyes and the glinting of, of the robe. And it almost would seem like he was move, moving and so forth. So, um, yeah, we can't recreate it, but we could talk about the context um, that they would have been in and how that might have either impacted the viewer or was meant to impact the viewer in the 17th century and how that changes for us now. Thank you for, for sharing your personal experience. It really made this conversation so meaningful. And and that's sort of my hope with the exhibition is that that we can all have some version of whatever we bring of ourselves to it, yeah. this, this kind of resonance. Um, so thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me and in to talk about objects that I, or objects themes that I think are so important. Um, to address. This conversation is part of the series Touching Art, Embodied Experiences in Museums, produced in conjunction with the Norton Simon Museum's exhibition, The Expressive Body, Memory, Devotion, Desire, 1400 to 1750, on view October 15, 2021 through March 7, 2022. Additional conversations with Georgina Klieg, professor of English at UC Berkeley, and David Howes, co-director of the Center for Sensory Studies at Concordia University Montreal, are available at nortonsimon.org.